welcome back to another episode of the University of Manchester NASOC podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well. My name's Salma and I'm one of the outreach officers. Um, I'm originally Algerian. We've got a couple other members of the committee here as well, if you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hey guys, my name is Kota. Uh, I'm currently the sports officer of NASOC. Uh, originally, I'm Moroccan. Hi guys, I am Mohammed. I am the events officer and I'm from Libya. Amazing. We've got Sumeya here as well. Um, she introduced herself last time. She's here as well. Um, so today's topic is going to be kind of about culture and um, the different cultures across North Africa. Obviously, we're all North African, but I think country to country is going to be a little bit different in the things that we see. So I just wanted to start off with asking, Kothar, what do you define culture as? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think culture is basically what makes me... Um, when I think of culture, I think of my background. Like, I always say, like, I am Moroccan, not only by origins, but by blood, too. It mm. makes up, like, basically my everyday life um, and stuff like that, yeah. It's a big, it's a good question, yeah. What about you, Mohammed? Uh, I think culture is more sort of like a social uh, sort of guidelines, so a way that you should behave in society and sort of like a, it's more of a guideline of a way of life. Yeah, um, so just looking at the actual definition of it, that's quite similar to the one um, I found. So the definition is the ideas, customs and social behaviour of a particular people or society. Um, I think it is quite hard to keep um, our identity in um, in the UK because obviously we've got kind of two cultures that are constantly conflicting. So I think having a strong culture like in the household and stuff is really important. Um so there's lots of different types of like cultural celebrations that I kind of know of. Um, one of them is, I pronounce it as Mulud, but I don't know if that's how you guys pronounce it or if you know what it is. So it's basically when we celebrate like the Prophet's birthday, if I'm right. Um, so I don't know if, I don't, in Algeria we do usually, um, it is 10, like it, does, it is celebrated quite a bit and we just kind of make like couscous and things like that it's not like we like have a birthday cake for him or anything it's just we just have like a meal together and it's just it's known that that day is his birthday and it is in a sense celebrated so I was just wondering um Kotha is it in Morocco is it something that is celebrated quite often um I've been with you I'm not really sure uh I feel like, like at home we don't actually celebrate it but to be fair like uh, we kind of lost a bit of that like in my household I would say we don't really celebrate a lot of like cultural stuff mm what about you, Mohammed? Uh, so in Libya, Mirud is quite a big celebration. So there's fireworks. Uh, there's this thing that we call a gindil, which is like a stick that has a fire on top. Uh, and so a lot of Mirud is a lot of like ritual. It's a lot of like cultural uh, sort of gatherings. And we also have Asida. So Asida is Mirud. So it's it's the, like the normal Asida, but that's the cultural thing that most Libyans have on Mirud. So Mirud right. is kind of a, a very big sort of culture in uh, for Libyans. And do you tend to get, um, not backlash for celebrating it, because I know there's a bit of a stigma around it of whether or not it's actually correct to do and whether or not um, religion should play more of a role in whether or not we, sh- we should celebrate it. So do you feel like, predominantly in Libya, like you get maybe backlash for it? Well, the thing is sort of with Libya, because it's so widely accepted in Libya, so people don't really have much of a backlash. But then when you come, when you sort of integrate yourself with different cultures and then you tend to realise that like this isn't actually as widely celebrated as we thought it was. So we've been treating it more as a 
we've been assuming it was a religious thing, but it's actually more of a cultural thing than a religious mm-hmm. ceremony. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, so what did you say? That, so how do you guys celebrate it then? Do you have like a specific dish that you serve or is it just kind of the fireworks and that kind of side of things? Yeah, it, it, we treat it like Aid in Libya. So it's like there's fireworks, yeah. there's, a, there's a gindil. Gindil is like a stick. And then there's like, there's a lot of rhymes and chants that people sing on the Oh, order. no way, really? Yeah, it's... it's... Well, it was uh, until up until recently. So, like for the past few years, it wasn't really that much celebrated. Mm. Uh, but sort of previously, it was sort of like a very big tradition. Oh wow, amazing! I'm not gonna lie; I don't know much about how it's celebrated in Algeria. I just know that it is, especially in the Emeziri culture, um, which is my culture. We we do tend to celebrate it. It's more just about um, like the food and coming together. Like you said, it's like a hate. So, how you would celebrate hate is how you kind of would celebrate. The birthday, like. Did you celebrate it at home with your family? Yeah, so I personally, me, like I don't. Not that I'm against it, but I just don't understand it because I don't mm-hmm. understand why you would celebrate something. I don't know. I just don't think because I don't know if it's actually haram or not. I don't know what the mm-hmm. actual teachings are, but there's just something a bit off for me. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> so I've always thought it was a bit strange. Like my mom would make like this massive deal about it, and I'm just like, I don't understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on, there'd be like Algerian TV on as well in the background, and they'd have like, like Mohammed said, sort of like chants or um, sort of nasheeds, but more catered towards the Prophet and like his life and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. Um, another thing that's quite culturally pro- like pre- predominant in North African um, site, I feel like, is like tattoos. Um, I've I've seen it quite a bit in Amazigh culture as well, kind of with the elders. It's not as it's it's not it doesn't really happen with the younger people, I'd, I'd say. But um, Samaya wants to speak about that a little bit. She's quite educated on it. Um. So hi guys, I'm just introducing myself now, but <laughs> you probably heard me before in the other episodes. Um. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the tattoos and their history. Um. So when we say tattoos like they were actual tattoos that were like you know they're permanent they're stuck there forever um and they represent a lot of different things so there are lots of different symbols and patterns um some represent wealth health fertility beauty and that kind of thing and you can sometimes see those designs or patterns on like carpets clothing you know jewelry even like pottery stuff um and historically it aided people to identify different tribes um so it's kind of like a recognition kind of thing because each tribe had their certain type of pattern or symbol um so it is an ancient practice that was practiced before islam came to north africa so that's why it kind of has been ingrained into our culture and you can find a lot of elderly people now with the tattoos for example like my grandma um she had it a lot of people associate it with emaziri culture but i think it's a general just a general north african culture cultural practice that everyone did back then it wasn't really like this is emaziri thing they only they only do it and so on um so, like I said before, they all, they meant, they were there for, like, protection, health, and that kind of thing. 
So it's kind of like, um, like, not not mythical, but it it kind of held like supernatural powers to them, kind of like the Khamsa and those other stuff that aren't really, you know, that aren't really Islamically right. Um, mm. But if you go back like a hundred years, for example, this applies in like Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia. Um, people then like. Islam was a thing, obviously, people believed in it and stuff, but there wasn't that much. Um, because of colonisation, there wasn't a lot of literacy, people couldn't read, there wasn't that much spread of Islam. So people grew up just being like, oh, you just got to believe in God. And they just hear, they like learn the Quran from just hearing it. And that's like pretty much what constituted religion back then. Um so people don't really know about like tattoos or haram. You can't get them no, no, until like post independence in these countries. Because now, like Salma said, you won't find you literally won't find any young people like even probably like fifty year olds. You won't find them with tattoos. It's literally the old people who are like eighties who are in their eighties or nineties um, who would have them. So you could say it is a dying tradition, but obviously mm. religiously it's not right. So it makes sense but there are some conspiracies or some opinions that believe that the tattoos were still practiced during the time of colonization because apparently the french believed it was something that made people ugly and they didn't get it because they thought north african culture was just barbaric they were there to civilized people quotation in quotation marks um so apparently people used to do them to prevent getting raped and to prevent kidnapping and that sort of thing that's what I hear a lot in my family even though my grandma she's Shawia Mm. so you could say she she had the tattoos because she's an Azulia but then like other people in my family I've heard like my aunts and stuff they they were going to get them but then like something occurred I don't know I think there was like a bomb or something going on and then they couldn't get it so now like my aunts don't have them um so yeah (laughs) I guess that's um what's really known about it there's a lot of conflict in opinions of like what the meaning is behind them and why they're not practiced and why they were practiced and that kind of thing but I think it does constitute a big part um of our culture and obviously the designs you can see them in our carpets and stuff so you know it's still they still have meaning to our history I guess can I just add add on that um Samia yeah yeah basically I generally don't think people associate it with like the meanings you've mentioned anymore or like our grandparents Mm. and whatnot because I actually asked my mum about it the other day I was like, why did um, Jidda have tattoo on her? I think on her chin. I don't know if you, if that's the same with you guys, but um, she just said, like, it's haram, but, like, people just used to do it, and they associate it with be- beauty more than anything. I don't think people kind of associate it with, like, uh, the actual background or, like, the historical background behind it and stuff. Yeah, so it was originally, a, like, a practice for beautifying yourself and the mm-hmm. different symbols on them were kind of 
they would represent different kind of things. So when like a woman would get married, she'd get a new tattoo that would symbolize her getting married. Or when a woman has a child, she'd get another one that symbolizes her getting married. And also they had them in different areas. So some people would uh, on the chin, like in between their eyebrows, kind of on their forehead, their cheeks. There were some people, they have them on their arms and hands and legs. And they all have different meanings. So that's like the actual, from the cultural aspect, that's like what it was. It was a form of beautifying yourself. Kind of how like now normal tattoos in like average society are kind of like as an accessory. Um, so that's kind of what it, what, what it really is. It's the same thing, but it's just because the designs were also like they represented different different parts of life I was really when we had a conversation about this the other day I was proper shocked that it was an actual tattoo I always thought it was just henna or something like some special type yeah yeah I didn't know that because obviously the color of it is quite it can be like gray or green at times can't it and and I used I don't know why I just thought like it was um it was just henna because I didn't I thought they knew obviously that it was harm but they didn't I mean, pe- people back then, if you go back to, like, our grandparents' times... Like- oh, an- another topic we wanted to cover was um, the idea of, like, dances within the culture. So, like, a Missouri culture in general, there's, like, a specific way that they dance um, in weddings and just, like, during celebrations or whatever. And it's very normal for um, there to be mixed weddings and mixed cultural dances as in, in gender wise so men and women dancing together and everything um whereas i know this this is very very different from how it is um in other cities in algeria let alone other countries in north africa so i was just wondering Mohammed, how is it is that like because i feel like libya is quite strict on the whole men and women yeah. division yeah no libya is very strict so yeah like yeah. It, yeah no it, it's very segregated sort of with with all tra- all sort of uh, celebrations so weddings uh, like, uh, 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 we call it sport so that's like when the person when a new child is married is uh, born all these sort of celebrations they're very segregated in Libya so it's it's very 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 rare to find uh, any form of celebration or any tradition that includes sort of both the men and the women in one space Do you think that's more down to um, just the way the culture's been or is it down to the way um, how strict the religion's practised no, I, I think in Libya, sort of, religion's taken, sort of, like, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of very integrated within our culture. So a lot of Arab stuff is also haram stuff. Uh, so there's, like, a huge overlap between Arab and haram in our culture. Mm. What about in Morocco, Kothar? Um, just, we were just talking about how um, in weddings and stuff, there's a lot of... Um, like dances that are done within cultures and how from where I am in Algeria the um the like it's usually mixed in terms of gender. Yeah. So in Morocco yeah. is it like that? Uh I think in Morocco it's basically down to like how religious families are. Um mm. some people do it like segregated, some people do it um like with men and women together. Um I think we're not really we're not really that strict on that because I can't lie like when I've been back home I've attended both types. It literally is depends on like how fam like how families Mm. Oh, basically. And how are your how how are your weddings like organized? Like, how does it work? Is it over a couple of days or is it? 
it also de- that depends on the finance I guess but um mm. I feel like culturally it'll be a few days so I think there's a henna night uh and then there's uh there's from like the women's side and then the dads from the men's side and then there's just a general one it literally just depends on how like excessive you want to be and how much money you have to be fair yeah so in Algeria I'd say it is quite similar I feel like like you said it depends on financial circumstance <laughs> in Algeria they'll find the finance somewhere they want the whole three four day wedding where they wear about 50 outfits and it's just crazy it is crazy. It's beautiful though when you're actually like sitting down and attending it, and you have like you're not paying for it. <laughs> actually, good. Yeah, that's true. Actually, when you just go for the food and stuff, it is yeah. good. But I, I wouldn't want to be that bride who's there. Bless yeah, her, getting changed. They, and they get changed as well. Yeah, yeah, it's too much, and you get changed eight times, and you got to have a different bag, different pair of shoes, different yeah. headpiece, different. Nah, I don't understand it. Um. But yeah, I just think it's mad, especially compared to here, because I feel like we think West, we think of Western societies as being quite extravagant. But then when it comes to weddings, I feel like they're well more simple than us. Yeah. They're in one dress for one day. That's it. If you deep it compared to us, it's like three different days, three different venues, mm-hmm. eight different dresses. Crazy. But when um, you deep it, deep it again, I feel like it's one day, like literally one day out of your whole life. Uh, mm. If you wanna go all the way out, then you should. I mean, personally, I wouldn't because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's unnecessary. But like, I understand why like people choose to to do it. Yeah, my family says that. That's that's their um, argument for it. They're like, it's the one day you can literally do what you want, and it's your yeah. day, and everybody is about you. So do whatever you want, and don't care what people think. But do the thing like is, the whole, sorry, the whole everybody's about you. I don't really believe in that because a lot of the people that turn up in weddings, a lot of the time you probably don't even know them. It'll be like your relatives' friends or your relatives' mm. relatives. Um, but the thing is, people know that, but still do it. And as well, the whole culture back in in North Africa is just so toxic. Like you're gonna it be judged. Is. You're gonna be judged by everybody for everything you do the way your makeup's done the way you're walking the cameraman you've hired the dj mm-hmm. you've hired like how many kids are running about making noise like you're judged on everything mm-hmm. people know there's this massive expectation yet they still do it mm-hmm. and i just think if you're gonna i don't know i just think keep it small keep your circle small yeah. but everybody's different i guess um just to kind of start wrapping it up a little bit, I was just wondering, are there any cultural practices? Like, when I say cultural practices, what do you think of in terms of Morocco? Like, what is something really, really um, practiced there? Ooh, um, as I said, like, I literally, when I go to Morocco, most of the time, it'll be summertime. Like, I've never actually been during the winter time. So the main things, I don't think like the actual cultural things, but it would probably be like more of, I guess like a mixture of both, but like religious and cultural. So I'll spend, I've spent Ramadan there once, but mm. when I was too young and then I ate there. Uh, but other than that, like I don't really know much of like any cultural practices or like, um, yeah. Mm. I feel like it's quite different, like it's difficult when you don't live there to kind of yeah. get that proper exposure to it. Um, the only thing I can think of in terms of Emaziri Algerian culture is um, like when you do your first day in Ramadan, like your first ever full day of fasting, um, it's like tradition that you put on the you put on the traditional clothing and um, your maternal grandmother will feed you like egg with honey and bread. It sounds nasty, but it actually tastes really good. Um, and like she feeds it you. And that's just like the tradition that everyone like claps. I don't really know. There's probably some whole like 
reasoning behind each ingredient in that, but I don't really know what it is. As in your grandma does it to every like every child or So it... yeah, when it's obviously her own grandchildren, but when it's their when they've oh. done their first day. Oh, as in like your first day ever for Ever, ever. Yeah, so mine was like when oh, I was eight. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. It's quite cute actually. And I've got it loads of pictures. Cute. Pardon? It is cute, yeah. It is actually quite cute when you think of it. But I don't know why honey... Honey's got some mad symbolism in Missouri culture. I just don't know what it is. I'm guessing because it's sweet and they want you to have a sweet life. I don't really know. <laughs> Something, <laughs> like <that. laughs> Something like that. Um, what about you, Mohammed? What would you say is one of like the cu- main cultural practices in Libya? Cultural practice, I'd say, is Fridays tends to be like the day where the whole family gets together. So that's like... Because Fridays is like a holiday. A weekend in Libya, and Friday after Salah is like after Salat al Jumma is when the whole family gets together. So mm-hmm. that's quite sort of a cultural tradition that's all throughout of Libya. So like doesn't matter which city you're from, but like Friday tends to be like the family day, and that that that's been quite sort of uh, to make sure so that the whole family gets together. And if there's like any disputes within the family, or if anyone has any problems, they tend to like deal with it as a family. Oh wow, that's really good that. That's like, uh, I think that it's not like, it's kind of similar in Morocco, but we don't really like, it's not like a problem thing, but Friday is a big day for us as well. Like, usually we'll make uh, couscous or couscous or that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get together, like, as a family, we eat together. It's just a good day. Like, Friday is a big day. And it's it's like a repetitive thing. So every Friday is couscous or couscous. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a cultural thing, but I'm not sure. I think that's with most North African countries, because even with um, Algeria, it's like that every Friday. My mum, well, to be fair, we all started complaining about the couscous, but she'd, like, make it every single Friday. But then it would never just be the Friday. You'd end up eating it the Saturday as well because of how much she made. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, and I think it's mad that people, like, I don't know if it's the same weekend is Friday, Saturday, not Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, that's the same in most Arab is countries. It? Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, I didn't know Saturday. that. I thought we were special. Yeah. Come. No, no, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> Kotha, um, what would you say your favourite part is? Of Moroccan culture. Pardon? Of like my culture, Moroccan. Basically. Yeah, you have like your own culture and like the upbringing and stuff. Oh, um, it's kind of like just growing within the culture. Um, I think that's probably my like best part of it. But as I said, like I like I did this every day. I'm kind of upset because I feel like I've lost it a lot. Um, because I wasn't born there. I literally would go there every summer. Um, but even then, that wouldn't be enough for me to kind of keep in touch with it. And I feel like I've I've been consistently losing it bit by bit. Um, and that's why I say, like, after I finish my degree, inshallah, I always say, like, I'm probably going to go back home and, like, spend a year there just to, like, feel part of, like, my origins and my background. Because, yeah, I can go out and be like, oh, yeah, originally I'm Moroccan, this, that, that. Um, but I don't, a lot of the time, I don't feel it. And I don't feel like definitely don't feel British evil and I definitely don't feel Italian so it's mm. kind of it's that like sort of identity I, I think you guys talked about this already but the whole identity crisis not knowing where you belong because mm. you're not in touch with any of this side um you don't get like as much you don't get the full exposure I don't get yeah I don't get the full exposure I feel like I feel a like foreigner when I go back home and I feel like sometimes I get treated as that as well when I'm back home it's like oh and Tia is no VR uh, this like I think everyone gets asked this question, but like, um, what would you prefer here and there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. 
And what about you, Mohammed? What would you say is your favourite thing about your culture? Uh, I think the fact that sort of with our culture, family plays like the biggest role in mm-hmm. like your social life. So everything is sort of like family based. So like if you have like sort of any problems, you'd always go to your family, they'll help you out. Sort of whether it's like sort of just personal problems, financial problems. So just the fact that you've always got like a backbone, sort of like a structure that you can like uh, sort of lean on when yeah. needed. Yeah, that's like a very sort of big part of sort of the Libyan culture. I, I I agree with that and also disagree. I feel like um a lot of like North African, not even just North African, but like a lot of ethnic backgrounds, um, when it comes to like family can get or like not family but some of like we, we stick a lot with like to tradition or culture rather than I guess religion if you wanna put like religion into this. Um so it can get really toxic sometimes. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I feel like as well as like the culture, I feel like it's very different family to family because there's some families that have the most amazing relationships with everybody that they know and um, things like this, like being there for each other is really easy, whereas there's other problems. And as well, like a lot of people from Bled don't really live there anymore. Like they move to different parts of the world, right? So that sense of family, I think, might be a problem for not just us living here, but maybe even the people living there because they do, like for me anyway, a lot of like my cousins and stuff, their siblings have moved across the world. So them themselves have maybe lost that sense of identity because I feel like what makes culture culture is the togetherness. And I think yeah. when you when you lose that, it, it just kind of affects it quite a bit. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned quite a bit and I hope everybody listening has too. Um, so thank you guys for taking time out of your day to be here. And um, I hope you enjoy the rest of it, inshallah.